Welcome to In Strange Company. I'm your host, Marcus Strange. I believe we're a composite of the people with whom we surround ourselves. On this podcast, I sit down with some of the most interesting humans you could hope to meet and give you the opportunity to surround yourself with some amazing people. My guests and I share insights into creating authentic and purpose-filled lives. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the company. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In Strange Company. I am super stoked for this week's conversation. Uh, My guest is an incredible human being. She's a winemaker, a seven-time CrossFit Games athlete, and was the runner-up on season two of the Titan Games on NBC. If you haven't guessed already, my guest this week is Margo Alvarez. Margo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, we were having a fantastic conversation before I started recording. um, And I absolutely love that time with my guests, getting to know you a little bit. Um, For people that don't know you, could you give us like the two minute uh, introduction to who Margo is? Okay, I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i'm yeah winemaker uh small business owner seven times crossfit games athlete like you said i uh was born in california but i grew up in montana um very outdoorsy individual went to school at hawaii pacific university graduated there moved to the bay area loved health and fitness always been active my entire life wanted to help others and so i got into personal training became a personal trainer and along that way i found crossfit and fell head over heels with it just uh, loved the methodology, but the community was something that pulled me in. Um, and seeing athletes compete at a high level, well, my first six months in, I really wanted to try to see if I could do that. So I threw myself into that, was able to qualify in 2013, competed at the great the games for seven consecutive years, six as an individual, one as a team. And during that time or near the end of that time, I really wanted to share my passion for both fitness and wine, blending those two together. And so I started working on building my wine company and was able, actually able to launch at the 2017 Games. Um, and it's been a little over three years since starting that and building it up from the ground up. And recently moved to Las Vegas about two years ago to get into distribution, where I've been able to get the goat wine into Las Vegas and Colorado and just recently in Montana. Um, and even though 2020 has been a very crazy year, I had the opportunity to go and be on the Titan Games with The Rock um, this past year. So it's been a been an interesting but amazing year. And uh, hopefully that kind of gives a small background within two minutes time frame about who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I feel like you've uh, told that before. <laughs> I feel like I could still refine it. But uh, yeah, I try to get a little bit of everything in my life. There's a lot that's there, but um try to share as much as I can in, in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that's incredibly impressive about you and that is abundantly apparent as you know you look at your um, social media and your you know you check out your business is just um, this hallmark of consistency you know to go to the CrossFit Games seven years in a row that is just an incredible feat um, we'll dive into CrossFit and you know what all that kind of stuff you know here in a little bit but I'm just wondering, like, what makes you so consistent? I mean, you're consistent in your performance as an athlete. You're consistent in your your brand, your personal life, your entrepreneurial life. Where does that come from? It's a great question. I think uh, it's something that was instilled 
with me when I was young. Uh, my mom did a great job of raising my sisters and I and always taught us about being humble and kind and genuine, treating others with respect, um, but also instilling a lot of hard work. It's like if you want something, you have to earn it. You have to go for it. And so I think that was something that was instilled at a young age. Um, and that kind of continued into high school with sports, just putting in the work. You can't just show up and have someone give it to you. You have, you have to earn it yourself. And so I think that at a young age doing that and being involved in a variety of sports from Taekwondo to ballet to horseback riding, I think that allowed me to be very diverse in what I had to do, but also be consistent. I had to show up and make sure that I put my best effort forward. And I think at a young age that helped me get to the point, especially now where I'm, I'm 35 now, so so many years later, um, I think something that I also learned a lot with was golf. And in golf, there's a huge mental component you're playing 18 holes or you know 36 holes depending on how how many days you're playing back to back but you can't let one hole or one bad shot get to you because you have another hole and another chance and opportunity and it can either go really far down the drain if you let it or you can pick yourself back up if, as long as you keep that mental kind of clarity and keep your mind game in it versus letting it affect your physical output whether that's a sport or your business or your family etc so i think that was something that I did for so long, 10 years growing up, and that helped me kind of shape who I am now, not only as an athlete, but also as a as a business individual. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's all connected, it's all tied together. All, you know, you don't do one thing and it doesn't impact the other things in your life. Um, mm -hmm. With that being said, you know, what does, um, what do the non-negotiables in your life look like? I think, high performance such as yourself, especially professional athletes, you know, you have to have things that you do consistently every day. So what for you, what are some of those non-negotiables in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, we mentioned earlier, sleep is very important. Um, yeah. It allows me to function at a high level, whether that's in the gym, um, being able to talk to individuals, having business meetings, going to events, being on point and being able to talk to others about the wine or my company or training. Um, so sleep is definitely a priority giving some sort of self-care um, for myself that's going to the gym, getting a class in, getting some extra training in, giving myself some physical exercise or some movement in my life. I've noticed that I just do better with that. I think being active my entire life, whether that's a sport um, or going to the gym, that allows me to perform better, allows me to kind of express either emotions or thoughts that I have or just allows me to get up some physical effort. I know that when my sister passed, being able to run or exercise or do some physical output helped me through a lot of emotions and helped me through a lot of um, kind of feelings that I was going through. And so I think that's very valuable that I make sure I do. And that doesn't have to be an intense workout like CrossFit. It could be hiking or biking or going for a long walk with my dog. I think just getting outside and moving is something that I make sure I put as a high priority so that I can uh, do what I need to do every day. So I, I like to interject kind of random questions, but I guess in the context of what we're talking about right now, this isn't so random. Um, how do you stay grounded? I mean, you know, you were arguably, you know, during your career as a competitive athlete, um, one of the top athletes in the sport, you were on a, a national stage with the Titan Games. Uh, you know, you see a lot of people who have that kind of exposure and notoriety and it, for some people it's, um, 
you know, it's medicine that just makes them better for other people. It's poison that uh, holds them back for you. You know, how have you stayed grounded through all of this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to describe it. I think medicine or poison. And I think you do see individuals out there that can go either way. And I think for myself, I've always, again, I think from my mom, the way my mom raised me when I was younger, being humble and true to yourself, but also being kind to others and treating them how you want to be treated. And I've been always a very laid back individual, um, never, uh, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but like never like fancy whistle and bells, like, look at me, look mm-hmm. at me. Um, I've just, have, I'm not sure why I've never been, I never felt like that was important. I didn't think that defined who I was and not saying that that does define people out there, but you see interactions or you see how people act. And it's tough sometimes because in the business world, especially when you're trying to get your product in front of the shelf, so have to have someone look at it, you need to be that person that says, look what I can do. And you kind of have someone that shoves it out there. And I'm not necessarily that individual. Um, so having, I have confidence and I have something that's something that I've, I've always had being comfortable in my skin, having the confidence to go out there, but never pushing it past where it's like a little more of the ego or that ego boost. And I think it's something that that's not who I am at my core and that's not who I surround myself and that's not what I necessarily believe in. So I really focus on, you know, how, what have I done to help others? Because at the end of my life, you know, my legacy or however I want to think of it or however people want to think of it is like, you know, how was I able to help others or, or was I able to bring some sort of benefit to a community or whether large or small, um, was I able to do something that allowed them or allowed others to become better in their self? And I think that's why I've always gravitated towards coaching and personal training and wanting to help others. And it's about now in the wine, trying to share my message about myself or how my sister inspired me. And I think it's something that has allowed me to stay grounded over the years. Um, and it, it's interesting because I've had talks and conversations uh, with my husband and other people. And it's like, man, like look at everything you've accomplished. And I think that's, and that's something that I, I talk about, you know, sharing my own medicine. Like I tell people to celebrate the successes uh, and embrace the struggles because they're going to come at some point or another, and it's not going to be always highs and not going to be always lows, but you really want to embrace them and celebrate them. And so sometimes I have a hard time doing that myself saying, Oh, it, it's fine. It's, you know, it's just, it's just this, or it's just that. But if you look at the bigger picture, it's like, it's something larger, but I want to, just be able to share that with everyone thinking that I'm not so distant where I cannot connect with someone or I cannot connect with another person out there and hopefully share my story and inspire them. You know, you touched on your sister and she obviously was an incredibly impactful person in your life. And I think, correct me if I get this wrong, but you said that, um, you want to share her message and, and, uh, her goodness with other people. What does that look like? Yeah, I would. It's definitely, I want to share how she lived life, her outlook in life. And her outlook was pretty much, you know, make the most of every moment, um, live with minimal regrets and don't take things for granted. And she was someone that literally took the most of every opportunity. And she was definitely a little more um, rebellious than I would. I could say that. Uh, and I think she, she was someone that if she wanted something, she would go after it and she didn't care what it was, or if she wasn't going to get it, she was going to go for it. And that was something I, as an older sister, I was the eldest out of all three of us. I always wanted to protect my sisters and make sure I was there for them and seeing her kind of have that outlook really inspired me. I'm like, man, like, you know, she wants something, she goes for it. Like she's going to go out 
and do this, or she's going to go for a second job, or she's going to go for this, then it's like, I know that she's going to get it because she was so stubborn in that aspect where she put everything into there, whether that be a goal or school or whatever she wanted to try. And when she passed, it was like, all right, well, I'm going to embody her lifestyle. I'm going to embody her message and how she lived life because she may no longer be here with me. She may no may longer be here with us, but at least I can honor her and embody that lifestyle and that outlook so that I don't look back and I don't have regrets or I have minimal regrets or at least that I gave it everything I got. And I think that's something that I really started to notice um, when I became a trainer. And then when I found CrossFit and I wanted to compete, it was kind of in my mind, it's like, all right, well, if Cheerson was here, she'd be like, do, do it, give it everything you've got, put all your eggs in that basket and don't hold back. And that's literally the attitude I had. I was like, well, if I don't make it, I don't make it, but at least I'm going to try. And I did whatever I could in my power to get there and to train for that. And I think that's something that I'm forever grateful because obviously I wouldn't be where I'm at without her. And I would love to, for her to have her kind of be here with me in person to share this experience and share this life. But I know that she's above and kind of looking down, being able to say, Hey, like, that's awesome that you are now going after my goals versus being timid and shy and maybe not ever pursuing them. Mm. Mario, that's so beautiful. And and thank you for embodying all that was good in, in her and sharing that with all of us. I, I don't say this lightly, but I think the world's a, a better place for that. So thank you. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my uh, favorite parts of, about watching you at the Titan Games was seeing the relationship between you and your family. It was really cool uh, to see them cheering you on and, and your interactions with them afterwards. Um, it seems like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like your support system is a big component of your success. Uh, can you talk about the importance of having a solid support system in your life? Yeah, I agree. Support systems are very imperative and important to going after your goals, whatever that might be, your aspirations. Um, my parents were very supportive of me growing up. Um, having my mom and my sister on the show with me, that was just incredible getting to share that moment and that experience with them. And I think in any environment that you're in, whether it be family, friends, coworkers, that positive and supportive environment is so important to success or working towards that end goal that an individual may have. I've been in environments where it's not so positive, um, it's toxic, it maybe pulls away from what your goal is. And it is very hard to be successful there because people will say one thing and they may not mean it in that environment, that toxicity can grow and expand. And I think of it like an analogy of you have this like glass of water and then you take a dye, like a red dye or whatever color dye and you drop like a droplet in there, it taints the rest of the water. And that's kind of an example that I see in my mind, like if you have a toxic individual or group of people, it's like it can taint everything you're working towards. And unfortunately I've found in experiences with friends or other individuals in my life that sometimes the people closest to us are those people that maybe pull away from our goal. And it might not be as drastic or open faced as you think. It might be a little more shy or kind of closed door, very subtle, but it's that subtleness over lengths of time, whether that's weeks, months, years that can pull away and can make that environment very hard to succeed. So having an environment that's positive, that's supportive, that's encouraging, that wants you to go for your goals versus holding your back is I think more important than people give credit to. So I highly encourage anyone out there that is struggling or in an environment that isn't necessarily the best that you really take a moment to 
kind of look and reflect back and say, hey, like, how can I change this environment? Do I need to leave it completely? Do I need to eliminate or create more distance between certain people? And it's hard, but in the long run, it will help you. Absolutely. I, I'm giving you a round of applause over here. That was spot on. Um, you know, I'll just real quick add on to that by saying that, you know, I was at a point in my life where I needed to make a change and I didn't have people around me. And that was where, uh, for me, uh, podcasts came in and I was able to listen to these incredible, you know, uh, thinkers and and doers and, you know, these really smart, intelligent people. And I was essentially able to create um, a <laughs> sort of a support system of these people that I got to listen to every day. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't get to be around our, our idols. We don't get to be around those people that, you know, we want to um, model our lives after and learn from. But, you know, through technology, through social media, through uh, podcasts, you know, YouTube, there's a really big opportunity to surround ourselves with incredible people like never before. So, you know, sometimes when I catch myself just kind of mindlessly scrolling uh, social media, I remind myself, you know, this is a time I could be surrounding myself with incredible people. And even if I have a, you know, a limited support system around me, I can drastically expand that by taking advantage of the technology that we have around us today. So that's my, uh, my uh, plug for listening to podcasts is you can really expand that support system astronomically. No, I love that. I think that's, uh, that's really important because I think now with the access to that, if you don't have that immediate network around you, then you can reach out to other ways to connect with people. And like you said, you may not personally know them or you may not be in your close network, but they might be someone that helps, you know, change that mindset or allows you to be a little more positive or puts you in the mindset where like, I can do this versus being told, nah, you're not, or you can't succeed or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I shared with Margot, uh, off air, and I'm going to share it on air, uh, that she really inspired me um, to get into CrossFit, both as a fan of the sport, but also as a practitioner of the training methodology. And, you know, that is an, another thing that I point to the power of social media, you know, obviously, I you know, we're really lucky that we're able to have this conversation now. And uh, that's really cool. But before it was, you know, connecting with you and Dan Bailey and Rich Froning and all these other incredible athletes through social media. And that was how I got into to CrossFit. And so there's, there's that power in, in social media, as much negative as there can be, there's a real power in it. Um, and I actually, this is a, a perfect segue into talking about CrossFit. Um, you ready to dive into your CrossFit career for a moment? Totally. Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, you touched on this a little bit, but how did you get into CrossFit originally? Cause you, I mean, you got in pretty dang early. Yeah. So I had heard about it. Um, friends had told me about it. I had, uh, again, I moved to the Bay area in 2008 and I want to say this was probably end of 2010, um, that I had heard about it, but I had just joined a UFC gym. Cause in my mind, I was like, I really want to get back into martial arts. I'd done Taekwondo when I was little, I would love to do some submission wrestling or BJJ, just again, body awareness, knowing how to roll or get into positions where if I ever get into a scenario where I need to defend myself, um, I have the tools to do that. And so I'd pushed it off. 
Uh, and I had done actually a, a Tough mutter with some friends that lived in the South Bay at the time in the Bay Area. And like, you would totally love it. If you love like obstacle courses and like this challenge, you would love CrossFit. I was like, oh, I, was like, I don't know. I like was hesitant just because I was all about the t- all about the the gym I just joined the UFC and all about running and obstacle courses wanted to focus on that. Anyways, fast forward into like early 2011, a friend of mine was like, Hey, there's a gym around the corner or close by. I'm going to go drop in and do one of the classes. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, people have been telling me about it. I'll go check it out. And I remember it was snatches and burpees and funny story. One of my thumbs, my right thumb is a little shorter than my left thumb. And (laughs) the only bars that were there were the 45 pound bars. So the the men's bar, however you want to denote them, 45 pounds. So trying to learn how to snatch with like a short thumb and like just never lifting a barbell. I was like, this is so hard, so difficult. Uh, But I just remember the workout was like burpees and snatches. And afterwards I was like, man, I've never had to breathe that hard in my life, but I loved it. I loved that physical push, that challenge mentally for myself and physically. But then I love the camaraderie of the community and I'd always gone to gyms to do my own training one-on-one, or maybe I'd done some classes here and there with people, but this was just so different. And so I signed up right away like that next week, I signed up for elements classes, did the elements classes and just kind of threw myself straight into it. And I absolutely loved it. And about a month in, I took the seminar with Kelly Starrett and did the mobility seminar. Um, And then I want to say about two or three more months later in June, I took the certificate course for the level one. And I remember (laughs) telling one of the trainers, we've become good friends, obviously, since we worked on staff for a good number of years. But I told him, I was like, oh man, like I really, I was like, I'm going to go to the games. Like I I really want to like compete there. And he's like, cool, sure. Like, (laughs) and later he had told me that like at least one or two people from every seminar that he worked um, would tell him that. And so it was just, it was funny because like, and then later after, after I made it in 2013, he's like, man, and I became on seminar staff, we worked together. He's like, man, out of all the people that told me they wanted to become a games athlete, you went and actually did it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a crazy story to look back, but it's, um, but yeah, that's how I found it and I got into it. And I just, I, like I said earlier, I threw myself into it. I was definitely that Kool-Aid drinking crossfitting girl where I eat, breathed it, sleeped it dreamed about it, whatever. I was uh, probably one of those annoying people that talked about CrossFit all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And Hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with doing a variety of things. And I think that's the great thing about CrossFit is if you look at it at its core, it should make you better all around. So you can go and do those different things. And you're a great example of that. I mean, you know, all the things you talked about, you're, all they, they all played into uh, your success as an athlete. And I'm sure that your success as an athlete fed back into making you better at those things in turn. So Definitely. I think that's the cool thing about the uh, the methodology. I agree. I think it, I love the, the challenge that it brings and constantly having a variety of ways to test yourself. Um, and I think that what we are capable of physically, our bodies can handle a lot, not just exercising in the gym, but just we can go through a lot. We can handle a lot. And I think a lot of the times it's our mind that tells us differently or tries to deter us off that path. And I think that pushing yourself and challenging yourself and rising to a different occasion, it's an opportunity to see how far you can take yourself uh, in one way or another. And I mean, people will, I think they say, I'm probably get the same wrong or backwards, but you know, anyone can do CrossFit, but it's not for everybody. And 
whether people agree with that or not agree with that, like I've become, I've come across people that have tried it. They're like, oh, it's fun. It's cool. Like they do it for a little bit and then they want to go try something else. And then they go join a gym for a little bit or they go do classes elsewhere. And I just think that one, I love that it gets people moving. Um, it gets them to do functional movements that maybe you never think of and you never do. And I actually was talking to uh, my PT about this recently. Um, and I noticed as we get older, if there's that lack of movement or lack of range of motion, your body doesn't get used to that position. So then you get stiff, you get tight, you're not able to move. And I think that's something that great about the movements within the methodology of CrossFit that allows us to take us take us through a greater range of motion so that we can get down to the floor and pick something off. We can play with the grandkids or kids, or we can roll on the floor with our dog, whatever it might be. And I think that's something that I will forever be grateful for it coming into my life because it obviously challenged me a lot of physical aspects. Um, also been able to meet amazing, incredible individuals, but it's also allowed me to say, hey, like movement is therapy, whether that's CrossFit, whether that's walking, whether that's TRX, whether that's cycling, spin classes, whatever it is, I think movement should be a theme and something that's you put a priority on for your health and wellness. And it's just being able to communicate that and say, hey, like find whatever works best for you, but making sure you're doing something for your mind and your body. Um, so you're looking at a longer term of life for longevity. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if you can explain for people, and obviously it's it's changed a little bit, and folks can go look up how CrossFit qualification for the games works now. I don't want to dive into that, but just to put into context, you know how impressive your seven year run was. Can you kind of explain to people what it took for you to get from a um, a non qualified athlete to qualifying for the games? Yeah. So the first couple years, it was essentially 60 people that had, you had to compete online, do an online qualification. And then beginning in 2011 and 12, and maybe even 13, it was 60 individuals that had to qualify. Then from there, those 60 individuals go through the qualification process. You continue on to regionals um, and then top three go. And then after that, I think that was, I want to say up until maybe like 13, maybe even 14, but there was all these different regions. For example, uh, Northern California and Southern California was their own region. You had Northeast, um, Southwest, South Central, um, Southeast. And so from all those different regions kind of dictated where you were at. Um, For example, I'm currently living in Las Vegas. And so Las Vegas was part of, um, they, I mean, they've changed it since then, but it was the Southwest. So it was like Nevada, uh, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and that was all one region. From there, they went from the 60 individuals to eventually the 45. So top 40 had to qualify. So top 40 qualified. So it obviously made it a lot harder. Then in 2015, they made it more challenging where they combined regions. So you had to be 20, top 20 in your region or your kind of sub-region. And then they took another top 20 from another region and then they combined it. So most recently in 2018, they took the Southwest and South Central. South Central included um, like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, some of those Southern states. And then they combined all of those with the Southwest. Well, like I said, Nevada, Colorado, all those other states. And then from all those athletes come together. So you have this higher level of athletes that are competing. You take top 20 from each, combine it. Now you have 40 athletes competing for that top spot. And for the first couple of years up until 2013, 2014, excuse me, it was three spots. 
once they changed that and once they made it harder, they opened up to more five spots, but now you have a higher level athlete. So if you're competing and you're going for times where everyone's a lot closer in times, it makes it a lot more difficult to secure a win and then secure a spot to get to the games. Um, and to say it was challenging, obviously is an understatement, but uh, it, again, you have to rise to the occasion I mean, you don't have to, but if you're looking for that goal, then you rise to the occasion. Um, and so it changed to top five in 2015 and they've stuck with that since then. Granted this year has been a little different. Um, so yeah, I was able to qualify. My first year was third place. 2000, that was in 2013. I finished third and got to qualify for the first year of my games, which is incredible. 2014, same thing, third. And then 2015, I qualified second when they changed those regions. And then I had actually moved up to Montana. My grandma got hurt. And so I moved up there to help my mom and my grandma and then qualified out of the West region, which was like Pacific Northwest, finished third there. And then in 2017, again, qualified again, finished third. And then 2018, finished first and winning my region. And that was the last of the regionals in 2018. So that was a long description. Hopefully no one got too lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great context. And I want to I want to put a, a finer point on this by saying that when you talk about that online qualifying um, portion, that's tens of thousands of people from all over the world that you're competing against. Mm -hmm. And then how many did they take to regionals? Remind me what that number was. So regionals, they took uh, top 20 from each region. So essentially 40 total. So out of those 10,000 plus, you have 40 individuals competing at that regional level. Yeah. So when you're, when you're talking about this, this isn't like, <laughs> like 10 you know, people. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, it's not even a hundred people and you're, you're taking the top 40. This is, tens of thousands of people from all over the world who are like driven, focused athletic machines who want what you, <laughs> who want what you want too. This isn't like, yeah. they're not just doing this for the heck of it. Like they want to do what you're doing. And so I, you're, you know, we've talked about your consistency, but it's just so impressive. And um, thank you for helping create that context. Definitely. I'm kind of curious Sorry, what was that? Oh, so I know definitely. I think the you, I mean, at a time where things were constantly changing, you had to be consistent. You had to be at the top of your game, especially at regionals, just because you have only, I mean, you have anywhere from six to eight events, possibly nine events, and it's like you need to be at the top to be able to get that spot to continue on to the games. Yeah. So I have a favorite memory. Um, of watching you compete that I want to ask you about, but do you have a favorite memory from your time competing in CrossFit? I have a couple. Um, I think the first one was in 2013 when I got to the games. It was the one of the first events. It was called 2007. They actually redid it this past year, but it was 2007. It was in the stadium in LA and the sun was setting and you could feel and like the hear and see the energy from the crowd and the community people cheering as we were like coming onto the floor. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it now, but just everything kind of culminating like, man, like this was my goal. And I think that was the first moment that kind of really sunk in and like, I made it to that stage. I made it to that competition field that I, the year before I was looking down and watching and wanting to be there. And I think uh, that was one of my, one of my favorite memories just because once I finished the workout, it was this ex exhilarating moment where butterfly pull-ups kind of just had clicked and I was able to do butterfly pull-ups the entire workout, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But I think 
being in a stage where you have adrenaline, you have the crowd and you have the community cheering for you. It was a culmination of all that. And that was probably one of my, um, like first memories that really stuck out and that really solidified, like, wow, this is incredible. That, oh man, I got goosebumps hearing you talk about that. That sounds incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I've been dying to ask you about this because I love gritty performances and this people hated this particular event, but I loved it because I, I have a, a little bit of a frame of reference for what it took to do this. Talk to me about doing the marathon row. <laughs> I was wondering if it was that, but yeah. Um, so I remember when it was released, we were at dinner and Dave had was kind of building it up saying, you know, he's done this event multiple times, you know, anyone can do it. It's just to be about completing it. And when he announced like, you guys are gonna row a marathon, I remember looking around at people and like jaws were dropping like left, right, and center. And I just, I laughed to myself because I knew it was coming. In my mind, I thought it was gonna be a marathon run. Like I thought we would run a marathon more than row a marathon. Mm. I didn't think it was gonna be that leer, but I knew at some point it would come back because in 2013, one of the, two of the events was, it was um, a half marathon row, but the first part was a, your 2K time. So you, the 2K was a scored event. You essentially wanted a fast time there to get the points. Then you had to continue into a full mar- uh, a half marathon after that. So at yeah. one point or another, I knew it was going to return. I just didn't think it was going to be that year. And I didn't think it was going to be a, a row. I thought it was going to be a run. Anyways, so uh, we announced that I just kind of like laughed. I was like, all right, cool. Let's get it. And people were kind of in disbelief, like, nah, you're joking. You're kidding. And I think I heard some people talk about like, oh man, this is going to suck. It's going to be so terrible. And I just remember thinking like, you can't tell yourself that because you have to row this marathon. You're going to be on the (laughs) row for so long. Um, And to give context, I had done a full marathon before in 2014. Sam Briggs had asked me like, hey, I'm going to do this marathon row for charity. Do you want to do it with me? And at first I was like, oof. It's like, well, I can't say no at Sam Briggs. And it's for charity. It's for a fundraiser. So I definitely can't say no. So I was like, all right, all right. So I did it. And this was when I was up in Montana for the holidays. And I rode it at the gym down up there, Zootown CrossFit. And uh, I think I went in like 7, 7.30 on, a, on Christmas Day. And I just rode it by myself with music <laughs> in the gym. And I think that's where people, when I tell that story, when I've told some like parts of that to that story to people, people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I told my Sam I would do it. So I have to do it. Like I honor my word and I, I honor what I told her. But I think uh, fast forwarding like 2018, like, all right, I already knew I can do it. I've done it before. Now it's just going to maybe hurt a little bit more because now you have to go faster. Um, and so I think the biggest thing for me was just mindset and having a positive outlook. I'm like, all right, cool. Like having a plan. Um, and my husband, Alex, he was also my coach. And so him and I and our other gal that he was coaching, Whitney Glenn, we talked about our plan, our strategy, and it was very similar to what we did in what I did in 2013, where you're going to row a 2K, maybe not all out, but you're going to row a hard 2K as if it was going to be scored and then taper into that marathon. And it's a gamble because you might be able to hold on to that pace or you might shit the bed, excuse my language. Um, and fall off and not be able to continue. So I stuck to my plan. We both stuck to my plan and ended up working out really well. Uh, I finished first and then she, Whitney finished second. 
And uh, biggest thing was mindset during the entire row. Like you had to stay positive. I mean, you don't have to, but I stayed positive. I, uh, I, I mean, there was music playing. I had some friends in front of the stands that would get up every once in a while and cheer. I had my uh, my mom and my sister um, off to the side on the left-hand side, my family. So I heard them like cheering and yelling from time to time. And so I think it was definitely definitely something where it's a, it was mentally a grinder. I mean, physically, obviously for sure, but if you lost it mentally and you weren't able to stay in it, then I think that definitely had an effect on your body and performance. Oh, for sure. Well, I want you to know that this morning I rode 5,000 meters in solidarity and in preparation for this. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. I don't know how you did 42 thousand meters yeah it was uh, it was a challenge yeah that's awesome you did it though I think a lot of people they'll be like hey like you think you'll ever do that again I was like nah probably not they're like what if they paid you I'm like I don't know man like I've checked that box and marked it and they're like yeah but you were so close to the the world record time and I'm like 13 minutes like that's a good chunk of time I'd have to be rowing a lot faster way earlier on to be able to beat that time but I'm yeah. happy with it. I, my plan was able to, I was able to execute it and do what I needed to do. Um, and it's, and I think that's where it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't ever tell myself another op. There was another option. If that makes sense. I didn't say, Oh, well, you know, if I fall off, whatever, like, no, like my mindset was to go in there. This is my event to win. And I need to do what I need to do to do it. Um, and I think again, like I said, like, obviously having the physical capability to do a lot of things is important, but also having the mental strength of that, that mind game is very important as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, that's next level mind, uh, <laughs> discipline, honestly, because, and so I, I was, I'm, I'm seriously joking when I say that I, I rode 5,000 meters and that was, and in any way comparable <laughs> to doing a marathon, but I wanted to do it because that's, um, yeah, that's the farthest I've ever rode. I mean, I'm your typical, you know, weekend warrior who goes into the gym and is like, oh yeah, I rode a thousand meters. I'm pretty hardcore. <laughs> now nah. I was like, okay, 5,000 meters. That's pretty far. That's going to take me like 20 minutes to 25 minutes, depending on how aggressive I am. Yeah. And I was amazed at how, easily my mind got distracted and it wasn't that like you said obviously you have to be physically fit but how how bored for lack of a better uh word i got and and so it it truly that that uh particular event was truly impressive to me because you could see um the people that did well they had the right mental game Mm -hmm. and that was really fascinating to me is who could mentally get in there and stick it out. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, I think you nailed it right on the head. And that's, that's really important when you go into competition or business or whatever it is, having that right mindset. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that mindset uh, carried you uh, really well in the Titan games, which I want to jump in and talk to you about that. But I want to ask you one more thing about CrossFit. Do you have a favorite memento from your time competing I was looking at the uh, the belts that they gave to the folks at podium this year, and I thought those were pretty cool. But do you have something like that that has meaning or significance to you? Hmm, that's a good question. I think um, I've definitely. I mean, I have some awards that I won. Um, obviously, from like the, from events. I mean, through his first 
second and third place they give awards. I think the pegboard event was in 2015 when I won that event and got that award. That was mm. really cool. And I think also from 2014 to 2015, receiving the most improved um, as an athlete, I was like, man, I was I was honored to be selected for selected for that. Um, and I think it's something that I'm just it's really hard to win. And I've talked to people about this a lot and to win and celebrate that success is something I don't really do often. Or I don't, I'm not a really good job at it. So I try to like really enjoy it and not be boastful about it, but like really sit there like, man, like your hard work paid off. Like this is what you worked your ass off for and you received it and you were able to um, reap the rewards of that. And so I think that's something where those, that one was pretty cool. Just having those, that, that year where I was able to be in that top 10 and finish on a really high note after having a challenging year the year before. And I think that was something I was like, man, like anything is possible. And I think it's, um, you can something that you can definitely put your energy and attitude towards and again, really embrace that and be happy with it. So I think that'd probably be the one that's most impactful or something that really stuck with, um, it's tough because there's so many like moments or experiences that I enjoyed and I loved I would say the only one after that, that not the only one, but one that was kind of a really high note was also the end of 2015 when they had the team invitational and mm. uh, it was myself, Dan, Bailey, Rich Froning and China Cho. And we won the invitational that year. And that was just another out of an entire year, having it kind of all culminate to all the hard work paying off. That was a really cool experience. And then being able to have that award of that. For sure. And I mean, <laughs> You've had such incredible experiences. I'm sure it's hard to pick one. So <laughs> for doing your your best, um, I actually I forgot that you won most improved. That is also a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I was definitely uh, honored and just really cool to see again, like everything pay off after such a long. I mean, everything obviously involves every year. There's different challenges, but it was just a, a really cool thing to receive, and I was really excited for that. Yeah. So uh, let's talk Titan Games. Uh, for people that don't know, uh, NBC um, has a, a show called the Titan Games, and it's a uh, physical fitness challenge competition is the best way to think about it. I would highly recommend, rather than Margo and I trying to explain it to you, that you go watch it. It combines <laughs> strength. It combines obstacle course um agility type uh things it's just it's one of the most interesting and unique shows that i've ever seen and whether you're into physical fitness or not you will absolutely love it it was super super cool to watch and the rock hosts it so why not i mean come on um exactly you were the runner-up which was uh an, an incredible accomplishment the field was stacked in the second season um just really really killer uh, competition, which was fun to watch you do so well in. Um, I guess, you know, a lot has been covered about it. I don't want to, you know, dive into things that have already been covered that people can hear in other spots. But one thing I, I was kind of curious about was what's one kind of behind the scenes element that maybe people aren't aware of that you think would be interesting to share? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think the, a lot of, a lot of downtime that we had kind of in between events or in between filming, um, just to kind of see what it would entail. I know they did do some behind the scenes filming in between, um, the days that we were there and the weeks that we were there, but I think it'd be, I mean, the times that we had, we were just kind of hanging out. We got to really get to know one another. 
there was 18 women, 18 men. And for the most part, we, depending on our filming schedule and when we were competing or what days we were competing, we got to know a lot of the individuals. And just that there's a lot of down to earth individuals, good hearted people. And of course you hear their stories or you hear part of the stories. You, you don't get to hear everything of everyone on there, but just getting to get to know others on a more personal level. And yeah, we're competing and yeah, we all want to win, but getting to spend, excuse me, getting to spend time with some of the people and just realizing that we had a lot more in connection with, or we had a lot of very similar stories and understanding like, man, like we may have never crossed paths until the show, or if this show never happened and we didn't get selected for that show, we maybe never would have met. And one of the ladies, I mean, they're all amazing, but one of the ladies, um, Jamie Seaman, who's from Nebraska, she's OBGYN. We, she doesn't necessarily do CrossFit. She trains, but I just never would have thought, I never would have maybe, okay, how we would have crossed paths or how we would have gotten to know each other. And so we actually had that opportunity and hearing her story and they didn't showcase tons of it on the, the show. And I think cause they're limited on the time and how much they can put out there, but her had best friend had passed away when both her and her, her and her friend were pregnant and they had they had had previous two kids together, um, both their families and just hearing her story and what she went through. And then the relationship she had with her, it reminded me a lot of my sister and I, and the relationship she had just in terms of how close we were. And I think that's something that obviously doesn't get showcased on the, the show because there isn't that. So having some sort of behind the scenes to share with people, it would have been really cool to kind of allow people to see maybe not just what's in front of the camera, but also behind the camera as individuals and stories. So, and it's tough because I could talk on and on about that, all the amazing individuals that I met and the hardships they went through and what they're doing. But I mean, obviously the show does a great job of being able to tell their stories or who they are and what they've been through. But I think that's something I wish I could, you know, share with other people as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the fascinating part about that is seeing the stories and, and learning about those people. And it, you're right. Like the, the show could all be about their stories and that would be just as fascinating as watching you all compete. Um, I, I know I absolutely love that part of the show was um, really, you know, falling in love with this cast of characters and, you know, it, it obviously is a physical competition, but there's also some storytelling to it as well, which I think is really cool. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I've got two questions for you about the about the Titan Games. One, who was the competitor that you looked at and said, I will compete against them, but I would really rather not. Like this is gonna this is gonna be challenging. And if I could avoid going up against that person head to head, I would rather face somebody else. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, it's tough because I, I went I competed up I competed up against a handful of individuals. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't anyone that I was like, mm, I really don't want to compete against them. Someone I really did want to compete against um, that we didn't get to because we were different like regions um, and we didn't get to the same level of competition in terms of that was Shantae McMillan, the Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I'm trying to think of someone because I competed against uh, both Kelly, Kelly Stone and Kelly Alyssa or Kelly Valdez, excuse me. And then um, Lindsay Ham, and then Danny, and I'm trying to think. It would have been oh man, that's a really good question. I think I, I feel like I don't have an answer for that. And I have to sit and think about that. That's okay. I mean, honestly, you know, I would have um, 
if you had said, you know, I wanted to compete against the best, like I get that. Like there's a certain amount of competitive nature where you're like, yeah, give me the best person. I don't care. But I also know, you know, as an athlete where you're trying to win, you're like, well, if I can avoid drawing that person, that would make my life a whole heck of a lot easier. So, yeah. Um, and it I mean, was, yeah, it was tough because we didn't have like say of who we were trying to figure out. We're like, all right, well, if we're wearing different uniforms, we're probably going up against each other versus we're wearing the same color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of a process of elimination until we got selected to who we were going to go against. And my thought process was like, I'm probably going to go against someone that has competed in CrossFit or that does CrossFit as a training methodology, but also someone that's from the West Coast and that maybe we have um, a little different stories. And I think that's where we matched up, Kelly Stone and I matched up where, yeah, she trains CrossFit as methodology, but again, they didn't want to focus on that. They wanted to focus on more on the story and how she's a PT and she works with kids Uh, and just seeing like everything that she did with the kids and the physical ther- as a physical therapist was incredible and of course like they highlighted her being a belly flop uh contestant which I, <laughs> I didn't even know which was we all were laughing that she uh she's like I didn't know that was gonna be such a big part of my story as it was but it's like man how many people can say like they do belly flop contests like that's awesome but um uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that was awesome to hear that about her I was not expecting that at all I know right? It was really cool. But uh, we, a majority of us still keep in touch and get to hang out. We actually had a, a like kind of a, a group of us got a, got together for a reunion about two weeks ago in Nashville. One of the girls, um, she was competing in a figure competition. And so we thought, well, if we can all make it down and hang out with her, that'd be great. So we, uh, we created a little reunion down there. And so a handful of us got to get together and it was good just to kind of gather around, see one another, catch up, and then support our girl who was competing for a, all of her hard work on that show. It was a, it was a really cool experience. And we're actually planning on meeting up uh, in Vegas at the end of January for Miss America. One of the ladies, Jamie Seaman, actually, Dr. Jamie Seaman is competing for Miss, Mr., uh, Miss America. So we'll all be together for that, which will be really exciting. My last question about the Titan Games is you came so close to winning. It was an absolute nail biter. It was a great final and you just got tripped up by what I consider like a really, really tough obstacle. And, you know, we've all been there. Uh, If you've competed athletically, you have something where it just doesn't go your way. How have you been able to take that experience where you, you were so close and it just didn't work out. And and what have you learned from that? And, and how has that helped you moving forward from that experience? Yeah, it's been, um, I mean, obviously I wanted to win and that didn't turn out to be the case, but I think with any time you don't have a win or you're not able to take that win that you had in your mind and you visualize, then it's, I mean, my biggest mindset's like, all right, like what's next? I'm not going to sit and dwell on it because that won't allow me to kind of continue forward. And just like a performance in a workout at a competition or uh, someone saying no to a new opportunity or bringing the wine into another location, I readjust my focus and say, all right, cool. Like, how can I learn from this? What can I take from that and apply going forward? So as much as I wanted that win and I wanted to break that barrier, there'll be other barriers that I can break. And maybe that wasn't necessarily the goal or that wasn't necessarily the focus or that one for me to win or that barrier for me to break as much as again, like I wanted it. I think it, it teaches me and has continued to teach me just in life is like resilience to get back up again and try again and get back up and reevaluate what I can do, whether that be my 
training, competition, whether that be my business, um, projects, career, education that I decide to pursue going forward. And I think that's something that I try to instill in our message is like those struggles that you have and those failures or that you think are failures, you know, embrace them because that's who it's going to shape who you are. That's going to give you some sort of education in that and a lesson that you can take and apply to the next door that you're going to open or the next barrier you're going to take on. Um, and I think it's something where it's like, that's who I am. I continue to be resilient and push forward, even if I don't necessarily get where I was going. And I think that comes back to my attitude and how I've seen a lot of things in life from what my sister taught me, but also in competition. It's like, let me give it everything I have. And if I, for whatever reason, I don't get it, then at least I try, at least I literally put everything out there. So then I can't, I can look back and be like, all right, well, I don't have any regrets because I put everything forward into that goal. So it's something that um, I think rebounding and getting back up and trying again is something that I've always had in my mind and I'll continue to do it. Um, and that's something that was just another another barrier, another wall that maybe I didn't break down, but that I'll break down in the future. Well, and that was the thing that just struck me when I was watching that. And I wanted you to be able to bust through there, you know, and you know, be able to keep uh, keep after Danny. But um, I was just I was so impressed with your uh, resolve not to quit. I mean, I think for a lot of us in that situation, it would have just been, you know, so frustrating and, and maybe we would have been uh, overwhelmed but you kept battling and that says a lot about you. And I think, I mean, we, I would have loved for you to win. I think you would have loved to win, but there's a lesson in that for people watching and not that, not that I was wishing for you to lose, but I think <laughs> the positive that can be taken out of here and that you, you taught a lot of people something in that moment and that's powerful. So Thank for you. what that's worth, I think something good came out of it. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's, something to understand hopefully to people like don't give up like whatever you're trying to work towards however many walls or barriers there are like keep trying and keep forging forward because there will be a way in the future i was looking at my notes and i i feel kind of silly that i wrote this but i wrote how did you go from being an athlete to being a winemaker and what i've learned from our conversation <laughs> was this is this is not a a point A to point B kind of thing. This is something that you've been working on while being an athlete, while being an entrepreneur um, in other areas. Uh, tell us how you decided to become a winemaker while pursuing this athletic career. Yeah. So I've always uh, loved wine. My parents loved wine and they would always teach us about it kind of as we were growing up, you know, understanding the smell and the aroma and how to swirl it in a glass. And obviously we were young, um, but the education piece I think was really cool. And I'm, I'm always down and always interested in learning new things and being named after Chateau Margaux, my parents, that was one of their favorite wines, um, also a very famous region in France that they loved. And so I felt like, I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but I was like destined to be in the wine world or wine industry, however, but, um, we, I've always been intrigued by it, always kind of tasting here and there. Um, we have a, a property that we ended up deciding to turn into agricultural use and planting some vines um, to, you know, see what we can do with them. And that was back in 2011. And so building the vines or planting the vines and then harvesting every year, we did home production wine. And that was a really cool experience because I love the process between 
I love the process in winemaking and agriculture in general, but I think it mirrors a lot of things in life. So that can mirror going to school, getting your degree. And at the time I was competing full time. So it was mirroring a lot of my training. I want to get to the games. I have to put a lot of time in each day. I have to be patient. Um, Just like the winemaking process, you plant the vines, you let them grow, you harvest the grapes, you eventually crush them and press them. And it's a process. And then once you bottle them, you let them age in the bottle for a good number of years or months, depending on the wines. And when you finally drink that wine, it's been at least a year or two, depending on what wine, whether it's a white or red or different varietal. And I think that mirrors a lot of things in life. And I loved the hard work that you put into it. Like I loved cutting the grapes off the vines, collecting them all, pulling the bins down the row. And like, you might only get two rows in eight hours, but you look back and you're like, I physically did that work. And it was very rewarding. And I think that's something that I've always prided myself with is hard work and diligence and putting the effort in and being a part of the full entire process and wanting to share that with people. Alex, my husband and I sat down and talked and like, you know, how do I, how do I want to, how do I want to build a business? How do I create a business from the bottom up? Because the farming, the agricultural is one aspect, but then building a business and getting into distribution and trying to sell and market the wine, that's a whole nother aspect. So we segmented it into kind of bits and pieces. And after the 2016 games, we decided to start with that process, started with a custom crush facility, got our licensing in California, took all the grapes, would load all the grapes in the trailer, drive them down there about eight, nine hours, unload them, drop them at the facility, and then we'd come back and we'd do that multiple times during the harvest. And then the second segment was doing the licensing, doing all the paperwork, making sure I'm sitting down, getting everything we need to get the paperwork. Once that's all submitted, had to have patience and wakes. It took about five and a half months to receive the license to be able to sell wine and start our business. And that okay was received, I want to say the Monday before regionals in 2017. So trying to compete and be ready, but also stressing out about, man, we're launching, we're planning on launch of the 2017 games. If we don't have a license, we can't do this. So it was a lot of juggling, a lot of time management, but it was really important to be able to do that groundwork then because I knew that I'm not going to compete for the rest of my life. And if I just stop all of a sudden one thing and then I need to build another thing, there's there possibly could be that lull, there possibly could be that transition where I'm trying to build a business and building a business from the bottom up is hard. And there's a lot of times where you're like, man, what did I get into? Like, why did I decide to do this? Was this the right decision? And there's always going to be those questions, though doubt. But as much as I had them enter my mind, I was like, there's no way we're not going to fail. Like we have to continue to push forward. We have to continue to do what we need to do to get there. And having the license come the week of regionals was great. Didn't really celebrate that success until probably months later after the games. Um, but being able to launch the 2017 games, being able to get the wine in, into a distributor there into the state of Wisconsin and being able to have a wine event where we had athletes show up on Thursday, the first day of competition and be able to have a booth and have apparel and launch everything. Um, to look back, I, I mean, I'm like, holy crap, like to be able to do all that, I, I it's like, man, that, that was juggling a lot of plates and it was my husband, Alex and I, and we had some friends come down and help us with the booth, but it was feasible. We did it. But looking back, it's like, man, like it was a lot at once. And I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent here of transitioning from what I was doing as an athlete to a business owner. But I think it was that point where I was like, all right, we can do it. We can, if we can do this, then we can do whatever else we need to do. It's going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of struggle, but we did it. And after doing that for two years, we learned 
all right, we need to be able to expand um, the business. And for us in our, in our mindset, our best vision was to move to a place where we can get into distribution and move more product and get the product in front of more people because what making wine, uh, not saying it's super easy, but it's relatively straightforward. It's not the hardest part that's out there. The hardest part I believe is selling and marketing and getting the product out there. Cause you could have the greatest wine in the world, but if no one tastes it, no one sees it, how do they think it's going to be great? How do they know what's going to taste like? Um, and there's so much other product that's on the shelves that's out there. How do we get people to see our wine? How do we get people to taste our wine? How do we get people to see our message when it's flooded with so many other companies and brands? So that was a big incentive to move to Vegas and continue to build the brand and company. And my shift now has become a lot, if not 110% of the business of the wine company. And there's still other projects that we're working on, on the side to blending those two together. But the goal is to be able to share those two passions with people um, that they too can work hard and wind down at the same time. I'm so glad you said the slogan. I was hoping <laughs> you'd bring that up at some point. Um, I mean, say it again for people because I love yeah. it. So uh, our whole slogan and message is work hard and wind down. So the whole premise around that to expand on it is like you work hard in the gym, career, school, family. At the end of the day, you should be able to relax, enjoy the process, and wind down. And I've had a lot of friends that don't necessarily drink, so it doesn't have to be wine. If you don't like wine, it could be beer, it could be bourbon, whatever you like to enjoy. If you don't drink, it could be eating bonbons on the couch with your family. It could be playing with your dog. But our whole premise is that we want you to enjoy the process. You work hard. You embrace those struggles and successes. But at the end of the day, make sure you take a moment to reflect back and see how far you've come because we set, so often get caught up in the next goal and the next thing. And that's important because that strives um, to challenge ourselves and allows us to push that boundary. But if we constantly are doing that and searching forward, we don't really enjoy that present moment where we're at. So we really try to instill that with our not only with the wine, but also with our message. Absolutely. For some of us like myself, it's the brownie covered with peanut butter frosting that I devoured right before I jumped on with you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, what's what's the secret to being a successful winemaker? Ooh, that's a great question. I would uh, expand it to not only being winemaker, but also maybe business individual, entrepreneur, however you would describe it. But I would say that you have to you should be resilient and persistent in what you're doing, but also be patient and kind to yourself because how we talk to ourselves and what we say to ourselves has a big impact on what we do out in the world with those business meetings, making wine, competing. And I think it's really important to be resilient, but also be patient. Mm, I love that. I was just having a conversation with somebody where we were talking about uh, successful people are people who have found a way to hold grace for themselves while also holding themselves accountable. Yes. And this idea of, yeah. It's, you know, it's that idea of like, you got to cut yourself a break when you deserve a break and you got to hold yourself accountable when you need to be held accountable. And I think successful people have figured out how to do that in the appropriate times. So I absolutely agree with what you just said. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. The be accountable is huge. Yeah. Um, I know this is probably like asking, a, you know, a parent to choose their favorite child, but is there a favorite wine of yours in your lineup that you're like, if I could only make this one particular one, it'd be the one I make for the rest of my life. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, 
very gentle and broad red blends. I think those are my favorite. Um, mm. And specifically right now, Cherson, I love the goat and the goat is the most popular wine that we have. It's the one we have in distribution in Vegas, but Cherson, just cause it has a special place in my heart. It's a medium bodied wine. So I feel like it hits um, for a lot of people that kind of nice sweet spot, not sweet in the terms of the wine, but just, it's a really um, right in the center of wine that for a lot of people that could enjoy it, I would say that one. Plus again, just the story and the label and what it has the message behind it. And how did you come up with the name for the company? So yes, yeah, so, a great name. Yeah. So the goat we've, um, the goat wine is the one we've focused on the most. Um, it stands for grace of all time. But when we created that, we were looking for something unique and different. And if you look at the label uh, on the bottle, it obviously is a picture of a goat, which kind of funny because I feel like goat yoga has been really popular and trendy recently. Um, but the goat premise, a lot of people think of sports and they gravitate to sports. There's nothing wrong, right? Think of goat within golf, you think Tiger Woods, or you think of other um, other athletes in different sports. But we also wanted to reach overall like goat, maybe the greatest of all time mentor, maybe someone in your family that you feel is the greatest of all time. Maybe it's an aunt or a brother or a sister. And it's just to kind of share and embody you know, who you feel might be the greatest. And again, it doesn't have to be sports, but a lot of people gravitate towards that. And that's what our whole, whole kind of image and ideology behind that label was that we wanted to recreate with people with each wine that we created. We wanted to create a story and share something fun, share something unique and not feel like, Oh, you have to drink this wine because of this, or you have to drink that wine because of that. And I think a lot of people that are new to wine drinking or trying to decide if they want to drink wine and sampling it, like we want to create this, environment where it's like, Hey, like drink what you enjoy, taste a little bit of everything, um, versus having it be an experience where it's like, Oh, I only have to drink these varietals or this type of wine. We wanted to kind of make it not so, um, intensifying sometimes or so, um, challenging. Cause if people look at a wine, you're like, I don't know, what is this? If it says red wine, or if it says this blend or this varietal, we want to make it very streamlined for individuals. And that's where every wine we have has a little bit of a story behind it. Cause it's not just about the wine. Yes. The wine and the juice, should be good or will be good when people want to enjoy it or will drink it. But also we want to connect with people and connect with the community and share something where it's like, we're not just sharing the wine, but we're also sharing the experience and creating a memory together. I love that. I love that you're taking something that can be overwhelming and intimidating for some people and making it really accessible, which I think says a lot about you as a person. You've been doing that in the athletic space. And I love that you've um, brought that over into the entrepreneurial space too. So yeah, thank, thank you, you for doing that. As, as a novice wine drinker, I greatly appreciate that. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, and I think the most important question is where can people get some of this amazing wine? Yeah. So you go to our website, thegoatwine.com. We have the three varietals on there. And we also have our Instagram three two or the goat wine for that one and the three two and go G A U X for mine. And if you're in Vegas, there's a handful of locations that you can check it out, um, local wine shops and also at the strip. So if anyone ever comes, they can always feel free to hit me up, message me which stores and locations they're at, and I can direct them there. Fantastic. And I'll make sure to put links to all that stuff in the show notes. So if you guys want to try Margot's wine, which I really recommend that you do. Um, the links will be in the show notes, so we'll get you taken care of there. Awesome. Um, as we're wrapping up here, um, I like to give people an opportunity, um, especially 
um, athletes to uh, share any of their sponsors or anybody that they want to highlight? Is there anybody like that that you want to make sure you give a shout out to? Um, the goat wine. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, uh, I mean, two of the sponsors I've been working with has been Rogue for the past number of years. And then First Form, they've been great. Um, they've been super supportive of what I've done. Um, obviously, fitness has been a passion of mine for the longest time. So being able to have them as part of the journey has been incredible. So, and of course, all the, the community out there, family and friends, um, anyone that's been supportive across the years has been close to my heart. And I know that the community will always be something, always have a special place in my heart. And I'll always try to give back in any way I can to them because I wouldn't be here without them. Awesome. Yeah. Both of those companies, Rogue and First Form are top notch and uh, really, really represent what it means to be a, a good business who gives back. Um, they both represent that really well. Um, I agree. You guys, yeah, yeah, you just won a competition um, as part of one of the first form teams, didn't you? Yeah, we didn't win the competition. We went and did, um, it was at the HOA Heart of America competition. It was a blast. It was super fun. It was Jarrett who works with First Form, uh, and then Dan, myself, and Christy. And uh, it was a great time. Like, I mean, getting to compete with Christy last year on the team and then competing with Dan back in 2015 and then having that chance to work with Jarrett uh, for the first time, that was such a phenomenal experience. And the com their, their community and the camaraderie and their work ethic isn't so like top notch, like you said, but just like their core values are something I really resonate with. And so to be able to meet a lot of people there, getting to check out the HQ place location um, was incredible and getting to meet people in a place that I have never been, that was incredible as well. So I'm hoping to visit very, very soon here again. Awesome. And core values. That was the phrase I was trying to find. So thank you for, oh, yeah. <laughs> for me. Of course. Awesome. So at the end of every interview, I ask a few random questions that have absolutely nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about just as a fun way to wrap up. Love it. Uh, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, what is a book that everyone should read? Ooh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I really like that one. Mm, it's actually on my list. Is it? Yeah, it's a good book. I really like it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. I usually ask people wine or beer, but I think we already answered that question. <laughs> I do love some beer though. Okay. So if you're going to, if you're going to do beer, what's your favorite beer? I would say my favorite beer is it's from Bear Republic called Racer 5. Uh, it's in like Santa Rosa area, NorCal area. It's hard to probably get on the East Coast. Um, or anywhere past like Colorado area, but that one's one of my favorite beers. If you can ever find the racer 15, that is a triple IPA. You need about half of that one and you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I actually lived in Santa Rosa for a little while. So that oh, brings about. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are, yeah. yeah, those two are, I mean, same brewery, but those two, the racer five and race 15 are two of my favorites. Cool. Um, yeah. What's your most used emoji? Ooh, I think it's the one that looks like they're giving, um, like kind of like the football sign. It's like a the hands up where like creates like that football target or the football. Yes. Sign. Yeah, I'd probably say that one. I don't know like what that one's called used or like like thumbs up. It's not that, but whatever that's called, I use that one the most probably. Yeah, it's like a high five, like double high five. Yeah, there you double, go. double high five. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, you can only listen to 
Backstreet Boys or NSYNC for the rest of your life? Which one are you picking? Ooh, darn it. That's a good question. Oh, man. I loved both growing up. I'd maybe say Backstreet Boys because they've had some recent stuff, like recent mm. songs. That's a tough one, though. <laughs> good call. Um, okay. And actually tied into that, what is the most played song in your uh, rotation right now? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, it's tough because I listen to a variety of music. Um, I would have to say either some sort of country song. This other song that I've been listening to, Monsters featuring Black Bear, All Time Low. That's been uh, something I've, I like on my my variety list of music. That one's pretty good. Nice. I like I like learning about new music. So this is a very selfish question because I'm like taking notes over here. I'm going to go listen to these later. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, McDonald's or Wendy's? Ooh, darn it. Probably McDonald's. I used to eat some McDonald's when I was younger, but I love the Frosties. So that's tough. Yeah, it, it is a serious, it's a challenge because, I mean, you're familiar with uh, Montana, so you might know this. In Helena, where I'm at, Wendy's and McDonald's are right across from each other. I'm like, do I get a Frosty <laughs> or do I get a 10 piece chicken nuggets? Like, that's funny. I'm feeling the craving right now. Oh, I love it. That's hilarious. Uh, Besides yourself, who is someone we should all follow on social media? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so you said you're in St. Helen right now, St. Helena, right yeah, now. Helena, Montana. Yeah. So this this girl her name's Laura Zara. She's awesome. We actually connected through social media. Um, she is an outdoor survivalist, hunter gatherer. She was on the Naked and Fray show a couple seasons ago. She's on it. Been on it twice, but. Um, She's awesome. She she lives in Montana at times. She's actually uh, out of the state right now, but she's someone that's really cool to follow. If you are an outdoors person, then I would check her out. She's super cool, laid back. Uh, we completely connected when we when we first met in person a couple of years ago. Um, but that's who I would say go follow. She's super rad. Cool. I will link to her social for people to follow. Yeah. Um, and then the last question I ask people, and I, you know, I kind of mix up the other ones, but this is one that I want to, you know, have everyone answer. What does it mean to you to live an authentic life? That's a great question. I think being true to yourself um, and being able to not only help yourself, but help others along your journey is what is key to living an authentic life. I think authenticity is a word that if I was to pick any word that is important, that'd be it being authentic to who you are and what you represent. Um, and so I think that for that, you really need to be, again, good person, kind, humble, um, but help also work towards helping yourself and helping others. Man, I love that. And I, you know, as we close here, I just want to say that you do embody that. I mean, you, uh, you've stood up for things, you've spoken up when other people would stay quiet and you've been authentic, both on the competition field and as a business owner. And I just, I'm so grateful that you came on and that you shared um, your thoughts and your insight with us. I think it's really going to be positive for a lot of people. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I really do. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. And that's all because of you. So thank you. <laughs> no, um, no ways. So you, you threw this out uh, earlier, but I want to make sure people get it. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Yeah. So um, we have uh, the website, thegoatwine.com. And then I'm on 
Instagram at 321GOGAUX. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all the social media. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you again, Margot. Thank you to everyone who listened. We appreciate so much that you guys kept us company today and we'll catch you on the next one.